You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, I need you to subscribe to Locked On Mets wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget, you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. So as you listen to this podcast, today is a significant day in the calendar of the New York Mets as it is the first day that pitchers and catchers had to report to spring training in Port St. Lucie, and that brings in a new baseball season. After everything that happened last week and all the negativity, it really does feel like a fresh slate. Time to turn the page and focus in on the baseball season, which is just on the horizon, which is the best time of year to be talking New York Mets baseball. What I want to do on today's show is kind of do a recap of everything I was doing last week before the ownership bombshells that went off. So I want to talk about which teams are best suited in this division to win this division. I'll go through what I discussed throughout the week. Then later on in the second half of the show, I'll give my official preseason rankings of the best teams in this division and where the Mets stack up. Before we get to any of that though, I'm your host Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, check me out on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsMorizedOnline.com. So as listeners of this show know, over the past week or so, I was going through each positional group and ranking teams in this division. Started off and did the starting pitchers, then I did outfield, catchers, infield, and finally the bullpen. And here were some of the findings that I came up with. For catchers, it was Phillies with JT Real Muto, then the Braves and the Nationals and the Mets bringing up the rear. Starting pitching, I had Nationals first, Mets a really close second, Braves and Phillies behind them. Then you go to the bullpen. I had the Braves at the top with the Mets just behind, then the Nationals and finally the Phillies. Outfield, Braves at the top, then the Nationals, then the Mets and the Phillies. And then I had the Mets with the best infield in this division. The Nationals and the Braves tied behind them. And the Phillies once again being the last team. Looking at each team's deficiencies. It became pretty clear that the Phillies have a lot of holes. And outside of the big advantage of having probably the best catcher in baseball. There's not a ton I like about that team. Really, I think the only thing I really love about the Phillies is I think Joe Girardi is a great regular season manager. I think he will get them to exceed some expectations, but I don't know if he has enough talent to really compete in this division. And that's not something I came into this exercise believing. Really, I came in and I thought that the way this division broke down, as I said, the Braves are going to be the top team. They have the most talent across the board. They've won the division in two straight years. They are the favorites to do that again this year. 
And this exercise pretty much confirmed that. But then I thought it was the Nationals, the Mets, and the Phillies all in around the same ballpark with the Nationals maybe having a slight edge coming off a World Series win just based on what the roster looks like on paper. Well, from going through this, it really appears like the Nationals and the Mets are pretty much in an even playing field and the Phillies were surprisingly far behind. So I think that was the biggest takeaway when going through all of this, that the Phillies are really going to have to have everything break right to compete. They need Jake Arrieta to go back and be something close to the guy we saw in Chicago. They're going to need Andrew McCutcheon to be healthy and still good deep into his 30s. They're going to need huge bounce back years from Didi Gregorius after he kind of struggled with the Yankees last year and getting more out of young players like Scott Kingery and Reese Hoskins and Adam Hazley. There's a lot of question marks when it comes to the Phillies, and that's not even getting into a bullpen that was by far the worst in the division just on paper. So I think they have too many hurdles. I would be surprised if the Phillies actually do compete this year. Will they be a 500 team? I think they will. Bryce Harper's still a great player. They add Zach Wheeler to their rotation. Aaron Nola can be an ace. As I said, JT Realmuto was a special player as well. So there's a lot of talent, but there's a ton of talent in this division. And I just can't foresee the NLE's title going to the Phillies this year. Another one of my takeaways is that the Braves, while still probably ahead of the Mets and the Nationals, I don't think the gulf between those teams is very large. The Braves have the highest floor of any team in this division. They have guys that can plug holes throughout their organization with the great farm system. They have the track record of two straight division titles. That all is there for them. At the same time, if you just look at all-star caliber players, the Mets might have them. I mean, they might. They have a lot of really good top-end talent on this roster. So, can the Mets compete with the Braves for this division? I'd say absolutely. Are the Braves a betting favorite? Of course they are. But when you really stack up rosters, I don't think there is the biggest of differences. And like I said, the Braves probably have a higher floor. The Mets might have a higher ceiling. So it was really interesting to go through each positional group and come to that conclusion. Lastly, to touch on the Nationals, I think on paper... We're talking about a pretty comparable roster to what the Mets have. But as I keep on harking back to this idea, I think a World Series hangover is definitely in the cards for this team. When you look at the starting pitching, I put them ahead of the Mets on paper. But as I said, I think the Mets by the end of the year are going to have the best rotation because it is hard for these pitchers to throw 250 plus innings and then just bounce back the next year and do it all over again. And so I really do question what are they going to get out of Strasburg, out of Scherzer, out of Corbin, that elite group that carried them to a World Series last year. I also think that the loss of Anthony Rendon is going to be massive. So on paper, I think they're a little bit better than they might actually produce. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. But first... 
If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Mets is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Mets fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Mets fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable incomes, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On Advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. So now it is time to officially give my rankings of the best teams in the National League East. What I wanted to do before really locking in a ranking system is try to figure out a way that I could put some math to everything I did last week. So what I did was I went through those rankings I had through each position group and for every time a team got first place, I gave them four points. Second place, three points. Third place, two points. And of course, last place, one point. And I should acknowledge the Miami Marlins are obviously still in this division. I have spoken to an improved team throughout this exercise whenever I brought them up. But no one really expects them to factor into this division or the wild card just yet. Looking at the Phillies, the Braves, the Nationals, and the Mets. Taking their rankings, adding the points to it, here is what I came up with. The Braves had 15.5 points because I had a tie between the Braves and the Nationals when it came to the infield, so I gave them both 2.5 points. The Nationals were right behind with 13.5 points. The Mets had 13. So had I not done the tie... Rated the Nationals below the Braves, they would have been even. That just shows you how close those teams are. The Phillies only had eight points because they were last in every position group but catcher. So that kind of backs up what I was talking about a little bit earlier how the Phillies really don't have the same type of roster as these other three teams. Now that I'm going to do the rankings, here's what I'll say. The Braves are going to be the first team. It's just on paper. You can't give it to anyone else. The math obviously backed that up. But to me, they're the team to beat. They're the betting favorites. But what I continue to say is that the Mets can play with them. And I really do think that the Mets are going to give the Braves a real run for their money at the division. I think that this team is poised to really compete. Luis Rojas might be a blessing when it's all said and done because I think he is the perfect guy with this specific team to build off of what the Mets had in the second half where they were playing like the best team in the division 
for some time. So I think he is going to really take this roster and capitalize. Provided health, which is always the biggest thing going into any season. When you can go into any series, right, and roll out Jacob DeGrom, Noah Syndergaard, and Marcus Stroman. Right there, I would say the Mets can beat any team off that starting pitching. Then you go to the lineup. If you can roll out a lineup that looks like this where you have Brandon Nimmo, Jeff McNeil, Pete Alonzo, Michael Conforto, Yoannis Cespedes, Robinson Cano, Wilson Ramos, and Ahmed Rosario, that is a potent starting lineup. And so that team could be the best team in this division on any given day. Can they put it together for a 162-game schedule? That's where the questions come in. Do they have a couple of glaring holes at catcher and left field when you're talking about injury concerns, defensive liabilities, all that stuff? That is, of course, part of the problem. But I look at the Mets' bullpen, didn't have them ranked as the best. But I think they had the highest ceiling. I think that when you can roll out Edwin Diaz, Dellen Batances, Seth Lugo, you got a three-headed monster that if everything breaks right, you provide health, that could be up there with any team in baseball. Juris Familia, Brad Brock, Robert Gazelman, Justin Wilson, these guys are all quality options that the Mets will hopefully be able to rely on. You look at the back end of the Mets rotation, you have Steven Matz, Rick Porcello, and Michael Waka. That's more depth than most of these other teams in the NL East have. I just think when you compare the Mets to the Nationals, and you look at their ceilings, I see the Mets this year as a better team. And I think that they're going to compete. Are they going to be able to beat the Braves in this division? That's the question. Because the Braves have two years of proving it. Two years where they were able to make it through the grueling marathon of a baseball season and come out as the best team in the NL East. And those young players have that experience under their belt and they can continue to get better. Last year, luckily, the Mets did get a taste of that. They pushed through a wild card race where they needed to win every single game. They had a big winning streak. They won series after series after series, but they came up a little bit short. They got swept by the Braves. That was part of it. I think that series took place in September, down the stretch, and the Braves got them. And that really proved to be the difference. And so, can the Mets avoid that? Can the Mets avoid the terrible May and June that they had last year? That's where the floor comes in, and that's where you have to rank the Braves above them. And that's where the Nationals are right there, too, because they proved to be able to do it last year, and they went on to win the World Series. So I really think this division is going to come down to a three-team race. The Braves are starting as a favorite, but the beautiful thing about this time of year is every team has a chance. Every team starts 0-0. and And the Mets are going into this season with a young core that is confident that they can and will compete. And I'm just excited to sit here and talk about it every day on Locked On Mets. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget 
When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets.